Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. Walmart Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Holland. Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures up 19. As that Futures up 58, trying to make back yesterday's losses. Do we have Mr. Lou? I believe I'm here. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, uh, just uh, just peachy. Um, you could be doing this as Gensler, the head of the SEC, uh, you know, is going to decide to change how m- trades are made in the market. Right? I asked staff to take a holistic, cross-market view of how we could update our rules and drive greater efficiencies in our equity markets, particularly for retail investors. So you got that going for you, Lucy. You should feel happy. Um, I have absolutely no idea what that means, but um, it sounds like gibberish. Yes. But uh, you know, I, I guarantee you, whatever whatever it means, I suspect it's going to be ultimately aimed at either. Well, I don't know. Who? What? What group would that favor? Well, it's. Do you, uh, do you understand what he's talking about? He's allegedly concerned about the payment for order flow practice. Allegedly, but we also know that the biggest firms on Wall Street make all their money from that. They had a couple of. Uh, I use the term bumps, talking heads on CNBC yesterday in those industries talking about how it's really good for you, Lou, because they they here's here. Here's how the calculation works, and if you believe this, uh, it's pretty scary. If you and I go to trade a stock, okay, say we're going to trade, pick, pick a stock. Well, I'm looking right at it, UPS. The thing is, the markets can be penny-wide, right? You and I can only trade on the penny, all right? Now, which is used to, the way they used to be when they're trading for everybody, is you can only trade on the penny, and actually, some exchanges, like the CBOE, the options exchanges, that if it was going to trade at, say, at last price was 179.44. Let's say the, the bid and offer is 179.44 or 48, say, or 47. Well, before it could trade at 47 to the market makers, anybody who was offered there from the public had to get traded at 47. Well, now, all that crap is gone. So these guys, the, the guys who do the order flow stuff, they get to trade within the market. So if it's offered at, say you're offered at 179.47, it can trade at 146.9999 ahead of you all the time until there's actually a bid, and then you get taken and it's bid higher. 
But while you're still there and they're, they're quote, leaning on you, it'll trade ahead of you by a hundredth of a cent, which never used to be legal, and now it is. So what they do is they add up all the hundredths of a cents that are a little bit better than if they would actually paid your offer, which for the guy buying it doesn't make a hill of beans a difference, right? All it means is these guys get to see the order flow and trade ahead of somebody and then pay for it. Uh, they add all that up and say, look what they're saving people. Uh, Lou, I think even you, not somebody in the business, goes, well, that's a lot of horse bleep. They're not saving you anything. What they're doing is, any, so anybody who puts a standing offer in is at a huge disadvantage. That's why you don't have many standing offers or bids, and that's why you see the market running up and down in a 10-minute period. It's like if there's nobody there, because nobody is. And when wow. these guys talk about how great payment for order flow, you know, you know who invented payment for order flow? I have absolutely no idea. Well, what, what I mean, it sounds it sounds like an overly complicated mechanism, but no, it actually who, started who, very, Bernie Madoff. Oh, of course. So, okay. So, so with him as is your apostle, <laughs> how, how far could you go saying how you want you want to hear this quick story, Lou, about how this how this happened? This is how sure. this is how the world gets totally convoluted. I haven't mentioned this in a while to the listeners, so we have some new people. That, uh, there used to be a, a stock exchange called the Cincinnati Stock Exchange, and I don't think it's still around, but maybe it is. Uh, it, it was guess what in Cincinnati. Well, the the CBOE buys the place, and they and they bring it up here. So the Cincinnati Stock Exchange actually was a computer in the basement of the CBOE, but it still had full exchange rights. In those days, if you were a specialist, was that, there was there any physical presence in Cincinnati after the CBOE brought I it? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. But there was a board and everything. There might have been a few people hanging down there. I don't think there was a floor or anything, but because uh, one of the guys in the CBOE was on the board. But here's the convoluted rule: is if an exchange buys another exchange, say there's a hundred seats, and you buy ninety-five of the seats, back when seats were the thing and not the stock, you can only get one vote. So guess who had like the other five seats with Bernie Madoff? So he, even though the SIBO owned the place, he kind of controlled it, which is so out there. <laughs> and and, what, and what, what a specialist has is uh, if you're a specialist on IBM in the Midwest, which is now the Chicago, but uh, or the Amex, or the you get, you have something called a specialist takeout function. You can actually, if something's offered in New York. You can actually buy it, and, and you actually get it. So if there's a thousand shares of IBM offered it, in those days it was an ace, ace of one seventy eight and eighth. You can actually, you just take it out. It, it's yours because the specialist had that. So most most stocks were either an eighth wide or a quarter wide, right? So what what Bernie would do is he would guarantee you the New York market, and then he would pay a penny a share to do it on Cincinnati. So if IBM is is one seventy eight to a quarter, you'd get filled at one seventy eight and a quarter, and Bernie'd pay a penny for that. Because some points during the day, there'd be a thousand shares at a quarter, a thousand shares at even, and he would he would get all that that vig in the middle. Now, the problem with that is, is if you actually put an order in through PTI or somebody legit, like most of the firms used to be, uh, and you and you executed that on the New York floor, if it's one seventy eight to a quarter, a lot of the times the two brokers would kind of meet there at the same time and say, well, we're not going to buy it from a quarter and sell it at even to the specialist. We'll just trade it 
among the two of us in 178 and an eighth. So 38% of the time or 36% of the time, your market, your, your, your fill was better than the bid and the offer on the New York floor. So Bernie says, well, wait a minute. I'll take that and give you guys a penny. So there never was anybody who got filled in the middle ever again if you use the Cincinnati. And that's what Bernie invented. That's how he made his money originally. And that's how this all got started with Bernie doing it in the Cincinnati. And the CBOE couldn't stop him because he had more votes than they did. Even though the CBOE owned 95% of the place. It sounds like, uh, sounds like Bernie was a bit of a shark from the very beginning. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to just throw our sports topic out there from the at the, at the get go, and I, I don't know if you followed the latest saga from uh, Deshaun the Deshaun Watson trade from the Houston Texans to the uh, Cleveland Browns, but no, but it, I am very interested. Out, it, it was reported in the New York Times. It turns out that Mr. Watson, you know, he's he's got twenty four lawsuits against him civil suits against him in Houston for a variety of sexual assault, sexual misconduct kind of offenses under civil law. So these are all civil suits. They're not criminal. Remember, the grand jury did not indict this guy So in, in, in Houston. So this New York Times story comes out, and, and it, it turns out that, in fact, in the 17 months that he was down there, he and, and active. He didn't have twenty-four massage parlors that or masseuses that he visited. It was actually something like sixty-six. How do you even find sixty these places? How do you even find sixty-six masseuse places? I, I I don't I don't know. I mean I mean it. He got them apparently on social media. You can you can go in on Instagram or something like that and find these folks and and whatever. In any event, he he's got sixty-six of them. And his interactions with them were apparently consistent with his interactions with the 24 that are actually suing him, including one woman who, who warned him, you know, you, you can't do this kind of stuff. And I mean, it was, you know, is it from a, it went from a, give me a back rub to, you know, touch me all over, including every private place you can imagine. Sort of like the Thailand massage or the, the happy ending massage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, except he was, except there was not the mutual understanding when he walked in the door that that's what this was going to end up with. Ah, ah, okay. It wasn't supposed to end up that way, and these women were horrified in most cases that he was, you know, demanding that they do this. So, in any event, he, um... He's got it, it, it. The problem was much more widespread. It was so widespread, and, and, and I remember thinking to myself when this case first came out, I I can't imagine that that the Texan security people were unaware with twenty four claims were unaware that that this kind of thing was going on. Well, it turns out that they weren't unaware, and in fact, he one of the security people from the Texans. Uh, um, apparently or allegedly gave Watson a non-disclosure agreement that he could hand out to these women when he went in for a massage. And if that does not raise an alarm, or should, if that doesn't raise an alarm with you... <laughs> a non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. 
Well, you walk it. You walk into you walk into a massage parlor and say, "Yeah, I like a massage." And oh, by the way, before you do that, here's a non-disclosure agreement, a contract that I want you to sign, saying you won't talk to anybody about what, you, what I'm going to ask you to do to me. It it it's you crazy. Me. It, you know, it sets alarm bells off all over the place. But most importantly, it it signals or it it leaves a record that the Houston management team knew that this guy was. Uh, you know, a sexual um, predator, and and was doing things that were going to create problems for him down the road, and potentially problems for the team, but mainly problems for him. And so the team, you know, instead of instead of sitting him down and and telling him you can't do this, and if you do, we're going to cut you, or we're going to we're going to get rid of you, or we're going to we're going to consider your contract voided, or whatever. Instead of doing that, the team said, well, you know, it is what it is. Here's a non-disclosure agreement. Try to get these women to sign this so that you can engage in whatever perversions you want to engage in, and and nobody will be the wiser. That's uh, it, it, You know what always struck me a little about this stuff? I mean, well, well it, gets, yeah. it, gets even, it gets even better. So that's one side of it. The other side of it that, that came or uh, surfaced to me when I was reading the, uh, the account was there are like dozens and dozens of phone contacts and email contacts between Rusty Harden who is uh, Watson's defense lawyer civil defense lawyer down there and the Houston district attorney and so the question now is what kind of arrangement was set up by this defense lawyer with the Houston DA to not have Watson indicted and charged because we were, we were all kind of surprised at, at the fact that the, the, uh, the grand jury in Houston refused to return an indictment on sexual assault charges for, uh, for this guy after, a, uh, after he was charged and, and I, I thought okay even if you've got Maybe it is a he said, she said kind of situation. But if you've got 24 victims, now 66 victims, who are all basically telling the same story and giving the same modus operandi that, that, that he engaged in when he, when he came in the door. Well, and, I guess and, and uh, evidence of a non-disclosure agreement, which shows consciousness of guilt. Without, without going into a, uh, uh, what exactly happened, if you, you know what always struck me, Lou, just let me segue a second here, is most people that I think are fairly normal, and we were all young once, you know, you, you find a girlfriend, and of course immediately you find somebody that you like, also liked like the day after, even though you hadn't had a date in six months, right? Uh, well, then you'd figure out after a week or two, the list is, i, I got to pick one. <laughs> this is, there's no way I can handle it. I don't, I don't want two go at the same time. At least that was me. It's How the hell does somebody... The amount of work this took on this guy's part. I mean, this is like a full-time job finding sixty-six places for God's sake. I mean, how do you even that even do? It's, it, it, you must. It's all you must think about from morning till night. It it would indicate to me that there's a, there's a wire loose somewhere or a miswiring somewhere. This, this is this is clearly not normal behavior. Well, what, so and if, if somebody right. if if somebody goes in. You know, not 
going into graphic detail, if somebody goes in to get a massage and says, you know, I really want the full deal. <laughs> I really wish I was in Thailand or someplace. Uh, and the lady says, no, I don't do that. And then you just get your regular massage and walk out. I, I'm not sure exactly where the assault is. Or obviously there's something more to it than that. Oh, no, there was lots more to it than that. And, and I'm not, I don't want to get too graphic at this hour of the morning. The sun isn't even up yeah. here in Denver. Um, but, but yeah. It, it, it was much more than that. Okay, and and it was it was aggressive, and it was, you know, we got to. What do you it, mean you? What do you mean you won't? That kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's bad. Yeah, grabbing a hand, yeah. and putting it, you know, sticking it under his towel, and and doing all kinds of stuff. And and again, maybe maybe the DA looked at this and said, this is too close to. A commercial transaction that that people were going to be familiar with that I didn't you know this, this is too close to to a prostitution situation and I don't want to I don't want to mess with that I don't think the women are credible I mean whatever but it it strikes me as really strange and if you think you've got enough evidence based on these accounts to charge him and they did charge him if you've got enough evidence to charge him. And then instead, what your investigation reveals is not that it was just a simple misunderstanding, but in fact that there's lots more evidence that that this was going on. The fact that they didn't charge him is is very suspicious. Well, maybe and, and maybe I, the ladies were. Like I mean, we thought I thought so at the time. I'd like to know now exactly what the heck they thought they were doing. Well, I also it could have been that it might have been available, but he was such a creep that I want to do with him. <laughs> That's possible. I guess. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it could be. It could be that somebody in the Texas. Uh, I I doubt this uh, highly, but I guess it could. It's conceivably possible that somebody in the Texas DA's office looked around and said, "I do. I do not want to get my hands into this. This oh, yeah. is disgusting." Um, so, what, so what are they testing te- stuff? So, so what did they tell Cleveland? Uh, oh, I I don't know. I mean, what they told Cleveland. I'm sure what they told Cleveland. It, it, this is like buying a. This is like buying a car with with. Some horrific defect. They told they told Cleveland, you know, uh, uh, buyer beware, caveat emptor, and and you do your own diligence, and we're not telling you nothing. Oh, they, so they basically said as is <laughs> on the used car line. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what they did. They, they they told them you guys you guys want them. Uh, you know, here's the price, and we're not making any representations. Guaranteed, now, guaranteed. It's it a lot. You raise it actually an excellent point. This NDA situation, you know, because because the, the the Texans have always kind of said, look, you know, we don't we don't trail our guys around, and and their private lives are their private lives, and, and we've sort of they've allowed the impression to develop that they were basically unaware that he was doing this. But this non-disclosure agreement stuff, I mean, if I'm the Browns, I would be looking right now at some kind of compensation. But when when Watson gets suspended, I don't I don't understand. I don't see how the NFL cannot suspend him for at least you know a season. And and if I'm the if I'm the Browns, I'm I'm saying to the Texans, hey, listen, um, I know you guys sort of represented. You didn't have any particular information on this, but but now it looks like you knew you knew full well what was going on, and you knew you weren't going to be able to play him. And uh, and so we, we want you know we want some compensation. Wouldn't surprise me if there was some some back channel discussion on that at least. 
Well, you know, funny you should make it a... <laughs> I was going to buy this used truck from this guy once, and, uh, and of course, they, they advertised that they did a 30-point inspection, you know, the best mechanic and blah, blah, blah. Then they said there's no warranty implied, and I go, well, yeah, there is. And he says, well, what do you mean? There's no warranty. I said, you told me you checked the brakes, and they're okay. If I drive down the block and there's no brakes, you lied to me. <laughs> you, you, you created the warranty. By saying that you checked all this stuff, am I right or not? At least for a little yeah. while. Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. I mean, if you make the representation the car the vehicle is like this, and then try to come in and say, "Well, if it really wasn't like that," well, then yeah, that's fraud. That would be, they would they would induce you to buy the vehicle based on a material misrepresentation about the vehicle status. I mean, if it's as is, it means as is. You're free to drive it to, down the block to mechanic, have them check it out. If you don't do that, it's yours. That, that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I just look at the can of worms that this deal has opened and, and what is, is remarkable. Is this guy married? More remarkable. Is he married? And that's saying something, is this guy, because of this conduct, because of this horrific, what I consider to be horrific, perverse conduct, gets the biggest deal in NFL history. And, and now what? Cleveland's okay with it, or they're, they're aghast at all this? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I know that. I know that the mindset in Cleveland had to be something like this: We bring this guy in with all the warts, which is the polite way of saying with all these claims of sexual assault and and sexual misconduct in these lawsuits down in Texas. We bring this guy in, and if we win, the fans will forget about this after the first two weeks. Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, so so from, from, from Cleveland's perspective, what they, you know, he didn't murder anybody. He's not looking at, he's not looking at some kind of, and even if he did, maybe we could, we could dodge that too, but he's not, we're not looking at a case where he, he murdered somebody, we're not looking at a case where he, he, you know, God help us, molested some child somewhere. This is this is claims of quasi-commercial sexual misconduct. And, and we can rationalize, you know, these are civil suits. It's not criminal. As long as it's not criminal, we can, we can basically say, look, this is a civil disagreement between this guy and these people from whom he was buying services, and um, it will settle out eventually. And we can we can go on our our merry way as long as he wins. People for, will forgive us and forget about it. I'm pretty sure that was. Well, the I don't think there's. There. I don't think there's any the, doubt about that. I mean, it, I mean, it's almost like a gladiator culture with some of these fans. I mean, they don't care. Oh, oh, oh I mean, and I go back. I go back to our old friend Ray Rice. Yeah. You know, Ray, Ray Rice. Ray Rice beats his fiance uh, unconscious. I say beats. He hit her one time. Beats his fiance one con- unconscious in an elevator. The video of him knocking her out surfaces. The people, the fans of the Baltimore Ravens. It, it does not make one bit of difference in terms of their stadium re- uh, revenue or or television viewing or anything else. It took the NFL to shut him down. I don't. It, it, I don't understand how they're going to um, how they're going to ignore this for anything less than a season. And, and but. But what I find remarkable is that there was nobody in the Houston organization who went, who, who said, hey, you know, it's probably not a great idea, but there's a paper trail from us to Mr. Watson 
to these women that he is effectively sexually assaulting or, or, or engaged with, according to these allegations. Uh, and it's probably not a good idea for us to be handing out NDAs that, that this kid can, can scatter all over the place, because that leads right back to us, and it shows that we knew darn well what he was doing. And that, that's well, probably not a good thing for us. If he settles with all these people, and every, it's, I'm, without putting words in anybody's mouth, I'm guessing if he was up with 50 grand a pop for every, uh, bad word, a 50 grand for every massage person who f- feels they were harmed, or maybe they were harmed, uh, is it going to include some without admitting or denying sort of crap in there that nobody ever, you know, everybody's just, nobody's, nobody even knows what happened anymore? It's all just folded up? Um, yes. The, any settlement, any settlement of these cases will involve, uh, a, a confidentiality provision that, that says, we're not going to talk about this, you're not going to talk about this, and if you do, we can, we can, Get them pull the money back. I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of curious as to the thought process on these civil cases, um, as to you know what the what the goal is right now. They they've now got they've now got deep pockets identified with Mr. Watson, who's been given this incredibly valuable. Let's uh, let's contract. let's finish off the break here. We get we come back. Uh, also, the the purchase of the Broncos. I want to talk about a little bit. Oh yeah, and this yeah. this Akeem Hicks. McDonaghan, what's his first name, Sue thing in, in Tampa is also pretty interesting from a business point of view. SP Futures up 21, NASDAQ Futures up 70. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of 
control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Jackson. I'm Tom Out. Matt Byrne on the board. We have S&P futures up 20. NASDAQ futures up 69.50. We've got uh, individual stocks. Not, the big uh, Dow futures are up 157. The, the big move yesterday, I mean, the market was, uh, well, let's say what it is right now as I'm talking about it. Uh, Dow was down 269, S&P down 45, NASDAQ down 89. Uh, the big move yesterday, not on that page, is in the transportation average. is down almost 4%. Every stack of the transportation average, some of them really were obliterated, like six, seven, eight, ten percent. And I don't know if that's gasoline diesel driven or what that is, or if the if it's a combination of that and the economy slowing down. Even though everybody says everything's fine, the economy is obviously slowing down here. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, we have the DAX down ninety two point six percent, FTSE down thirty three point five percent, CAC around down nine. Eh, call that flat. Raise. We got the Nikkei up twelve. Call that flat. Shanghai down 24, that's 0.8 percent. Hang Seng down 145.7 percent. Hang Seng at 21,869, so doing a lot better than it was when it was in the 20s, but still nowhere near the 29,000 it was a year ago. Uh, bonds uh, unchanged at 3.03, uh, 10, 10, 10 year yield. Uh, Bund up two basis points, 1.37. Japan 0.25 unchanged. We got oil. Up four cents at one twenty two fifteen. Brent up thirteen cents one eight three twenty one. It just keeps moving. Natural gas over down forty two cents eight twenty seven. So it's down almost ninety cents in the last three days. It was over nine bucks. Arbob down. Uh, I'm sorry, up a penny at four twenty three. We've got gold down six eight eighteen forty nine. It's right around this eighteen fifty eighteen fifty five number. We can't seem to get out of there. Silver down thirteen cents twenty one ninety six. Copper down six cents four thirty eight. Uh, and we've got Bitcoin. Is up 188, but 30,376 uh, again in his range between like 29.5 and 31.5. Matt, what do you have for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 6:34 a.m. on Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. Uh, NBA Finals last night. Boston Celtics win Game Three against Golden State Warriors, 116 to 100. Both teams back again for Game Four this Friday, June 10th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, in baseball, White Sox lose to uh, LA Dodgers. It's one to four. Cubs at Baltimore Orioles. That game was postponed due to rain, uh, rescheduled for August 18th. And finally, for baseball, Diamondbacks uh, beat Cincinnati 7-2-0. On hockey tonight, East Finals, Game 5, Tampa Bay Lightning versus NY Rangers. Catch that at 7 p.m. Central Time. Now for weather in Chicago, mostly sunny with a slight chill in the air at 52 degrees, a high of 80 and a low of 52 throughout the day. In Phoenix, clear skies, 83 degrees, a high of 109 degrees, wow, and a low of 83. Now to traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Austin Boulevard, traffic eastbound the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Lawrence Avenue, intermittent traffic westbound the Dan Ryan between 51st and Albert Jane for interchange, uh, with slowdowns at 43rd and LaSalle, and at Roosevelt and, uh, oh sorry, between Roosevelt and West Randolph. Uh, traffic northbound Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. The, um, just remember, Matt, some you win, some you lose, some get rained out, but you always suit up to play. Always. Yep. You can't forget it. Can't forget it. Show we, must go on. Show must go on. Uh, so, Louie, by the way, I, I saw, thought I saw a glimpse. I wasn't, I was in there with all these Boston guys uh, with my judge and lawyer buddies last night, but we left early because the Boston guys were getting too loud. Uh, did, what's her name? Griner get out of Russia? 
Or no, she, not that I know of. Oh, I thought there was something about she was either, either was out or was about to be out or something, something. Well, they were, they were, the Russians were demanding accordingly, apparently, excuse me, accordingly, apparently the Russians were demanding a swap with some Russian arms merchant that we had, we had, uh, arrested. Um, not that, not that the Russian judicial system would be, uh, you know, would be so easy to manipulate in, in favor of a, of a potential oligarch. But, uh, you know, I haven't, I have not heard that she, uh, that she was well, Maybe it was just, uh, somebody misread the tape, which is very possible. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 also. I mean, uh, there's been discussion about it. I just don't know. Um, you know, I just don't know what the what the story is. It's uh, the, the last report I saw was uh, I think it was two or three days ago that just said you know her her fate was tangled up with uh, you know with another you know another guy uh, uh, held in Russia and this this arms merchant. So uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it, 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 there's a, there's a guy called Paul Whelan who, uh, has been held in Russia on espionage charges since December of 2018. Um, he was not involved in that prisoner exchange that brought the other, that Marine guy out, uh, months ago. So the question now is, is, are you, are, are we going to try to negotiate for the release of both of them? Uh, are we going to try to negotiate for just uh, Griner? I mean, who knows? So it, it right right now right now it's a mess. And one more reason why, whenever I went into Russia, I was I was very careful, scrubbing my bags to make sure I had nothing in there that would provide uh, provide the authorities with an excuse to uh, you know to look at my stuff. So do you normally have stuff in your bags that? You don't want to be looked at. Um, no, but I mean, <laughs> if, if you had if you had some inadvertent uh, material, something they consider to be contraband, um, um, going going in and out of a in and out of the uh, old Soviet Union when I was traveling there, I mean, you, you did not want to come in with any sizable amount, like over two hundred or three hundred dollars. In uh, in American currency, oh, okay, I get it. Um, because because the Soviets were uh, suspicious of that. But if that should be a black marketeer, you didn't want to come in with a with an inordinate amount of clothing of, of a particular type, like lots of jeans or designer uh, designer labels. Um, all that all that kind of stuff was potentially problematic. And uh, you, I, I just I just always made sure and looked at my bags and went through everything to make sure there was. There was nothing there that that would provide an excuse for somebody to uh, to pull me out of the line. I did one of those uh, deep go through your stuff things at the Amsterdam airport one time, and it sort of soured me in traveling overseas for like a real long time. The uh, we got there real early to do. This is when we had Gaddafi was doing his stuff and hijacking planes and so forth. And of course, we're going on TWA, and uh, I think, yeah, I think we were on TWA, and uh, so we. We uh, get there and you check your bags, and the idea is Amsterdam has the biggest duty-free place in the world, so everybody's anxious to do some shopping. Uh, and they go, "Well, you got to go downstairs and and identify your bag." I go, "What do you mean? I just gave it to you." No, no, you got to go down and get it. So you got to go downstairs in this big room with all these policemen armed with like Uzis, and you pull out your bag, and then they go through all your stuff. And uh, the guy, the guy next to me, asked to get into duty-free. What? This is this is before you. I never even got to duty free. 
I mean, uh, this, this took like an hour, and we barely made the plane. So then you, had to, you know, then you had to go up to your plane, and you couldn't leave there. And some lady's kid needed to go to the, the bathroom, and the, and the lady with an Uzi followed her into the can. I was not happy with this trip. Anyway, so the guy next to me is a, is a World War I uh, researcher. And in his bag, he's got like five or six shell casings from spent artillery that he's collecting. Well, the policeman was agog with this, right? They're all empty. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know nothing about well, nothing when it comes to artillery. But I don't know if the shell's empty. It can't do anybody harm, right? <laughs> it doesn't appear. This guy gave him a. He, he was ready to give him a, a sphincter check. I mean, and then my buddy, <laughs> young Bob Bades, who was with us on the trip, had bought four or five of these really nice glasses from the bar the night before, and the guy starts accusing him of stealing them. What's this got to do with 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 Checking for bombs. I mean, give 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 one of these guys a gun and, and a policeman a gun and stand in front of you. They, gonna, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't want to say anything for her. I'd be in jail. And it was like, but this is uh, anyway. This is, the, this is the strangest thing. So I I, I was traveling just two years ago, three years ago, traveling back and forth. So I I'm flying from <clears throat> I'm flying from Heathrow. Um, into uh, Ireland, and they pull my backpack out and and ask me to just pull some stuff out of it. So I and I pull out. I had a set of Allen wrenches that I, little little ones, mini Allen wrench set that I had actually had in the bag because I used the Allen wrench to take the cover off the thermostat in my office so that I could I could control it directly without without having to go by whatever the Control was set this in bag. So security. Well, you got to move. You got to move to a different spot. Yeah. We can barely hear you. Okay, sorry. So the security guy goes, "You, you can't, you can't take these on the airplane." And I, I they're like, they're like four, just long. And he goes, "Yeah, but you can use this to take your seat apart." And and I looked, I looked at him, like, "Are you crazy? What? What?" I, like nobody would notice me sitting down there, Allen wrenching with these tiny little wrenches, Allen wrenching bolts out of my seat. You don't think somebody would pick up on that? It it, it, it was absolutely. But again, I think they just were looking for something. Lou, obviously, you don't realize that a, a detached seat arm is quite a weapon. <laughs> well, or that, or that you can surreptitiously sit there and just you know, you know, turn the turn the screws and take take the seat apart. That that was that was probably the weirdest thing I, I've, I've seen. But but yeah, it, it 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 goes it goes not just to security. The security thing now is expanded to to you know ludicrousity yeah. or or whatever the word is. But um, yeah, you, you just you you don't want to be if you're traveling overseas. You don't want to be in a situation where you are going to trigger whatever interest. The, the guy who happens to be looking at you has. I, I was in London, I told you a couple of weeks ago, they're not even stamping passports in London. When you come in, they're not even stamping your passport. It gets scanned, and and you stand in front of a camera, they get a facial recognition on you, a facial picture of you, and then you're clear to go. That's unbelievable. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. Um I'm going to tie this in a little bit with what you're seeing with the inflation and all the other stuff. 
in, in, in this society, uh, Lou, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot because I, it's not just because, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm jealous of these guys. I'm not. What I, what I, I just really do believe, especially with the stuff I've read about the 1920s and the, the depression that followed, that if a small group of people races ahead of everybody else and you judge how well things are going because of them, you make a very serious error when the rest of your society is not in too good a shape. And it's it's funny when you see people scrambling to pay gas uh, for big gas and, and food and everything right now and, and rent and you name it. And the, 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 the few schmucks at the Palantir that got the stock options when the stock was way up and made like $2 billion. I mean, $2 billion, you know, sprinkled on the south side of Chicago at the various gas stations or bar or, uh, or food stores or even bars is such an amazing amount of money. And yet, so I look at this Bronco thing, and it, the number I heard was like $4.6 or something. $4.65 billion. Okay, so in a normal world, uh, Lou, you would look at that and you'd say, every, I mean, obviously the, the, the Federal Reserve has, has done a lot of things wrong, in my opinion, but what they have done is they've, They've totally uh, s- scraped any sort of, of uh, mental thought on, on, on what money's worth out of just about every citizen. I'm one of maybe the few left that actually thinks of things this whole way, and one of these days <laughs> I won't be here to be nobody. But, I mean, you, I immediately look at this and say, okay, $4.6 Now, somebody somewhere has got this kind of dough that they just sort of have and have nothing better to do with it. You know, because, but I would look at it, if, if, you, if you were... Asking me to approve the transaction, I would say, okay, wait a minute. And I know it's not 10% money these days, but if it was 10% money, like it may be with the inflation, we may be there in a year or two. I mean, I hope we aren't, we may be there. I mean, I remember when we were higher than 10%, but let's say if it was 10% money, the, the VIG on this 4.6 bill is $465 million a year just to write yep. the interest check. So let, so let's, Cut it by a third, and say we're down to six six point six percent, which is probably what but, somebody would actually have but, to pay today to borrow that kind of money. Who the hell? But can they're run? not. I don't think. I don't think they're borrowing it. See, so that's, that's my point, Lou. You always have to think of things in terms as if you are, because the money can be used for something else. If it's, but, but I don't think these guys are borrowing. I, 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 I think. I, I think this is one of the things that caused the uh, the bid to be approved. The NF, the NFL ownership does not want a guy coming in who's leveraged the entire amount or loaned I, I, the entire amount or even a significant portion of it. They want a guy who can stroke a check. I, I get it. I, get, I, mean, I understand that totally. But, again, I don't know why. I, just, I must not, not explain it properly. The, the point is it's a horrendous investment. Even, even if you're Daddy Warbucks and you're sitting on cash and you, you can't get to the bathroom because you're tripping over your, your $100 bills and you got to get them out of the way. Whatever the reason is it's it's a mark of something <laughs> it's a mark of some some people have way too much dough they probably didn't earn is I mean, I, I, i'm just saying but i mean or or this guy's this guy's 70 what is he 72 75 um um you know the uh the guy who's, who's the leader the leader of the group and and he just says you know what i've, I've always wanted to own a football team so I'm gonna. I'm, one's coming up for sale, and I can I can make a bid here and get it. I can buy it. Um, I've I've got another. You know, my other partner will be uh, the, the guy who's been running Walmart with me for the last four or five years. He'll be my my co-investor. We're both we're both uh, 
got mega bucks, and I'm going to drag George Lucas's wife. Uh, what's her face? Um, Melanie something or other, the one who was involved in trying to put that museum down on the lakefront in Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That, that this woman, this woman is in the middle of this. So she's she's uh, going to provide the minority the minority uh, face for the for the ownership team, and and. Uh, you know, all all of these people. I can write a big check. Everybody else can write slightly smaller checks. But, but there's there's a for better or worse, there's a real panache to being a professional sports team owner. I mean, this is why the Russians were investing in soccer well, it's like, teams. And uh, it's in, like being in, in the house. England. It's like being in the house of lords, Lou. I mean, it's it's that's exactly a, what it is. It's a it's a way to show. It's a way to show. I've got money, and oh by the way. All those people in in my circle will always have something to talk to me about because they can come up to me and say, "Hey, what about those Broncos? How are they doing? Yeah. What uh, what what what? Uh, why isn't Russell Wilson uh, playing better? Um, how come we haven't invested in offensive linemen or whatever?" But it but within that circle, being a professional sports owner is a huge thing. Well, I guess my and, my, my point, Lo, is that. First of all, there's always been people like that, and it's it's not. I'm not criticizing. There's even if even if somebody made their money. Well, I'll, I'll use the term legitimately. I'm not saying these guys didn't. If you made your money, there's still if if you really want something and, and you got a bunch of dough. I mean, you, you're going to buy the midlife crisis convertible. I mean, you get to do that if you earn the dough. But that's what having money is all about. I get it. You know, I, mean, I, I understand that, and I don't actually kind of like it. So that's that's not the problem. What I'm saying is, is when you start saying now these teams are quote worth that, at least you and I, when we were young, and somebody went out and paid, you know, fifty grand for the '57 Chevy, you know, the guy was just a collector. I mean, you know, and he had the money, and he's fine. But that's you and I didn't make the determination. Well, that means old cars are just are worth fifty grand, like to, to drive them. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, the idea that that every team now is quote worth this. It's only worth it if you can borrow the money and and you know what I'm saying and make and make and make it work while as an investment. This is this is a hobby. It's something. But but as to why somebody else should be expected to pay that for say the Cubs, eh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I can't borrow it and make it worthwhile, it's not quote worth it to me. And he's he's got to be well. well it, it, I mean, I, I agree that that's one way of evaluating the worth of the team. I will tell you that that the estimates on the worth of the Broncos this is about what people thought they would go for, and and the, the reason that this price is two billion dollars higher than the last team sold is the is the dramatically changed landscape that these NFL clubs are operating in because of sports gambling and and the NFL's embrace of, of sports gambling and and um, all that it entails that has effectively jacked the price up you know by 75 to 80 percent on a, on an NFL franchise okay but because that revenue stream that revenue stream flows into all these teams and and this is this is somebody taking advantage of it um, what kind I mean, look of, at the return. Stan Kroenke bought the bought the Rams. I think what ten years ago, twelve years ago, for seven hundred and fifty million dollars or eight hundred million dollars, something like that. And what do you think the Rams are worth right now? I, I, okay, this this is this is why on the show I try not to get too. 
the dollar has gone down by half during that 20 years. Agreed. So if he paid $100 billion, $100 million and he gets 200 now, he's not getting anywhere. Agreed. So What he, do you think the ramps are worth right now? Uh, but what do you mean by if they find a guy like this to buy it? Probably four point six billion. I don't think I don't think they'd have any trouble finding somebody like this. I would say they're probably worth five billion. Okay, so but if he was to sell that team right now, I don't think he'd have any trouble getting five billion dollars for it on a, on an investment twenty years ago of you know less than a billion. I'd say that's a reasonable return on investment. Okay, I, I'm, I'm trying to to say not very articulately. I, I, I admit. Is it at some point, and we're not there yet, obviously, Lou, and we're in, we're in a rarefied spot because there's only a few people who really want to be in on this kind of stuff. But it's the same thing as a house. You say, okay, somebody just paid two fifty for it versus two hundred a year ago. It's worth two fifty. Yes, it is. Then somebody else will buy a house worth two sixty. All of a sudden, it gets to three hundred or four hundred where it is right now, and you sit there and go, wait a minute. Ninety percent of the population that has to live in a house can't pay 400 so someday somewhere this has to reverse because it doesn't add up right now you're right in the, in the rarefied air of of team owners there's probably always going to be 50 people that can in my my parlance very much overpay without a correction but when you start talking about if there was a return on capital the guy's interest check is probably twice the revenue well not not the not the not the gain the revenue I mean, there is some limit, is what, is what I'm saying. Oh, no, there, there, there absolutely is. And, um, again, this is, I, I think I think your comment that, that indicated that this stuff was, for these guys, might be more like a car, an expensive car, or an old car that they could drive around and be seen in. That's probably a, a, a better analogy than, than I could come up with. There's a certain amount of emotional satisfaction that gets added on here. But I don't think anybody that, that is added to the value, but I don't think anybody in the league or anybody in the business world is looking at, at this purchase price and saying, well, they overpaid for that. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, even in the Broncos, the Broncos are not a good football team. Well, they, they, they're they going to say they didn't overpay because they, the it's just like in 2008. The, the, the housing, in, housing in the U.S., had never been a bad buy. You might, you maybe got, maybe you just bought it too high and you had to wait a few years, but you always made money on it at some point. There isn't, there isn't anybody who bought a house when they were 25 and sold it when they were 60 that didn't quote make money. Ever, did they? So that the housing stock in the U.S. was a dramatic plus on a guarantee anywhere. And when somebody did pay up a little bit, it just meant somebody paid up and now they're all worth that. Until one day you get ahead of yourself. So now the next guy pays $8 billion, and all of a sudden we go into a little bit of recession. There's nobody in the park. Now, granted, this guy maybe wrote the $8 billion out of petty cash, but it, but it doesn't change the finances is what I'm saying. It doesn't, doesn't change the, the, the algorithm. Anyway, hey, what, what's going on with this uh, Nagata? I can't pronounce the first name. Uh, Sue versus Akeem Hicks. They, 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 they told Sue they were going to keep him, and then they signed Hicks and cut him or some, some story? Um, yeah, it, it looks like, it looks like the Buccaneers, uh, well, they, they, so, so that Sue is signed to a series of one-year contracts. <laughs> He's been playing year to year down there. And I think he probably had the expectation that this was going to go on until it was clear that 
<clears throat> that he couldn't that he couldn't play anymore. But you know, he's he's I consider him to be something of a prickly personality, and so you know, at some point, the Bucks may have said, "We don't we don't need to." You know, we don't need to put up with this. And once uh, once Hicks became available on the free agent market, uh, the the Bucks looked at him and thought, "Okay, we can get this guy for arguably less money. We we don't think Sue is going to take a pay cut to play here, so we're going to go with Hicks." And they've signed him. And so I don't I don't know that they I I, I don't think it's that they've cut Sue. They just aren't going to resign him to another contract. Yeah, but anyway, it's a a lot of bad blood because he thought they were friends and all this other kind of stuff. But, but what, what are they oh, seeing? Oh man, this is this is boy, this is so classic. <clears throat> you know, I, I trying to remember what wide receiver it was I was listening to on uh, a sports talk radio one time a couple of years ago, who said it wasn't until my second contract that I realized that this was a business and that I was simply a business asset. That I might have friends on the team, and the coaches might like me, and everything else. But that was only as long as I was a, you know, producing for the business. And the minute that I realized, the minute I stopped producing for the business, either because I got hurt or because my I got old, I was out of there. And and I don't know why Mr. Sue hasn't realized that. As I said, he's got a, something of a prickly personality and has not exactly demonstrated the the highest levels of emotional maturity. But but. At some point, you know, his agent, I'm sure, has been telling him this for 10 years. Um, you, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of business. And the minute, the minute they don't think you're going to be worth what they're paying you, you're gone. And, what are, what are uh, they seeing as Hicks? The guy's I played mean, like five games a year for the last five years. Yep. Yep. But, but apparently somebody in the Buccaneers believes that, that he can be more productive than, uh, than Sue or, the cost of having Sue in uh, in the camp is is not worth is not worth. Well, we only have a uh, thirty seconds. We only have like a minute here, but without without accusing anybody of anything, what is the quote? Is there and how big is the difference between if I know if my team is 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 five and ten or, or five and nine, and I'm kind of hurt the last two games. Like pretty much everybody probably is at some point. Do I sit out for the Bears, but I but I play for Tampa because we're in the playoffs? Does, does a lot of that go on? I imagine it does. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think there's a lot of and, and 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 I'll tell you this right now, Chief. It's the same thing. My my father said to me a couple a couple of times. The best teams are the teams where the coaches don't have to say something to somebody if they make a mistake, or or to say something to somebody to get them to play. That the pressure from their teammates will do that, and, and and will force that extra effort out. And so, if you're looking at making a playoff run, you do not want to be the guy that lets everybody down by not playing. Yep. All right, Luke, take care of yourself, buddy. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures only up ten now, and as if he's up twenty four, we've dropped by half. Uh, I don't know where that all's about. All about. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. 
That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 708- 8-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. And I'll be taking care of business every day. Taking care of business. Well, don't fake stocks and jocks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures not only up 10, as a Futures up 25. And our friend Dan from Kratos Capital, Dan Janitas. Cringe at that. That guy does 15 minutes of work a week. That's way too much. <laughs> Don't you wish that were true, Dan? <laughs> Actually, you want to... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's been... Um, it's been uh, and, and speaking of um, work and employment, it's been an interesting time. Uh, uh, as I've been saying for quite some time now, I still see employment being the um, biggest issue here and a major issue with... Um, What's going to come for inflation, and and you know the sort of the the uh, mismatching of employment, if you will, and the lack of of uh, people going back to work. 
forcing companies to pay higher wages just to attract people for, for positions, and you know it's a chain, has a chain of facts. So there, there's um, that's what I'm seeing, you know, loud and clear. Um, I'm up in the Boston area um, right now visiting family, college reunion. Oh, good for you. And while I was up there, just did some observation, and you know, went to a restaurant where there was no host, <clears throat> no host hostess, no um, bartender, and only one server. In this very large restaurant, <clears throat> which um, you know, which is the problem going into a large grocery store, superstore where there's only one checkout counter, and I think what it, what where the problem lies is is I mean, it, it becomes a problem that um, manifests itself because um, even though we're saying okay, that's just a store, or that's just a restaurant, well, they're cha- charging higher wages. You know, people have to shop. Um, they have to pay more at the grocery store to get people. They're going to have to raise prices. Um, and, you know, the very simple things, if you look really at Main Street right now, and kind of look away from the numbers, you know, the, the employment numbers, the big picture numbers, because they're, you know, they're his, historic, you know, they're, they're, they're going back period of time. But the more important thing is that they're not necessarily telling the true picture that we're seeing out there if we just open our, you know, observe what's going on. And uh, inflation absolutely accelerating. Um, I think we've, we're seeing that the past few weeks. Um, definitely from some comments from Janet Yellen that, <clears throat> frankly, makes me um, continue to say what, I, what I've been saying about her. You know, it's, it would be a nice time for her to retire. Um, going back to her comments about the flooding the system with as much money as we possibly can during the pandemic, obviously leading to, you know, putting money in the system leading to more inflation, then talking about it being transitory, which I had, I've been saying for a long time, don't see it as transitory. This is here with us, and now I think finally yesterday she came up saying it is with us. So she just kind of needs to get, <clears throat> either she needs to kind of get up with what um, the rest of us have already figured out, or needs to maybe sign off and let, let somebody come in that's, you know, that, that's really paying attention to things. And um, I think it's discouraging when you have someone at that level, you know, behind the scale, it really does not help confidence and, you know, and confidence in any, say, business people to kind of hear these things after they've already been experiencing that. Well, it's hard to, when you, when you look at the winners and the losers, Dan, and that's, that's what I came away with in the, in the original, well, the original, the, in my lifetime, the original inflation stuff in the 70s and 80s, that's what I came away with, and that's why, I mean, you've been on the show for a while, and you know that you know, you and I, uh, well, me the whole rest of the week, but you and I together when we're here, we, we were both aware of this. Oh, absolutely. You know what, and, and, you know what I'm going to say, we're a couple of bright guys, but we're not that bright. We're not the only people that saw it. We're not the only people that ever took a monet, you know, an economics class. And the thing that struck me the first time through was how uneven it was. And there yes. are massive winners and massive losers. And here you and I are talking about the people we care about that we're trying to get little something extra in a bond form or a little something extra in their stock portfolio. Meanwhile, the winners, you and I are talking about how how poor, poor Walmart can't afford to pay a cashier, yet the Walmart family is paying $4.6 billion or part of that for a football team. So clearly, yeah, the, 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 we, we shouldn't feel all that sorry for poor Walmart. And I go to a Sam's Club, I'm still a member, and there's four cashiers and everybody else is punching their own stuff out. Really? Right. The, the prices of the crap in here, you can't pay somebody to punch the stuff out for me? 
I mean, I mean, really? I mean, they used to be able to do that at the A and P when I was a kid, for God's sake. Yeah, pay women. Yeah, I remember the A and P. Yeah, you know, or the National or all the places that used to be around. They managed to pay people to do stuff, and here is everything got to go right to the top. Is everything? You know, and I think you make I think you make a good point because <clears throat> what that comes down to for me is um, good management. So the, those companies who have good management teams know how know how to incentivize their people, know how to get the best talent and retain the best talent. And you're right, there are plenty of winners out there who have been able to do that, and that's how they've been able to survive. They've been able to operate at full capacity. They haven't had to cut hours or or uh, productivity. But I think the man- <clears throat> management, and that's part of our process. <clears throat> just looking for those strong management teams. I mean, we really put a lot of our emphasis on research on wanting to make sure the management teams have, uh, you know, a really good strategic vision and are treating their employees well but providing the right incentives and also are realistic about what's going on today and, you know, are, are, are um, you know, looking at what, what's going on around them. And so I, I, I would, I would definitely agree with you. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to in terms of the winners and the losers. But, um, I don't see anything changing in terms of the, you know, in terms of inflation. I don't see any improvement coming because I want to see more of the improvement in, in some of these areas like employment. I want to see more people, you know, getting back to work. I want to see companies, um, you know, reorganizing themselves in the, in the right way. And some companies have done that already. But, um, but we're in a contractionary period in terms of, you know, looking at your basic businesses, and that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to this horrible place from here. Well, I believe we're already in that horrible place. We're already we're here. We're just trying to see where the end. Well, we, we we are we are in the horrible place in terms of people trying to generate income to live at. I yes, believe. But exactly. We're, but we are, are nowhere near in the horrible place that I hope we don't get. But I think we might in the in the wealth bubble part. Yeah, that's. That's, we're not yeah, I mean, it could, you're right. It could, it could be much worse at this point, but I think that we're, you know, in terms of talking recession, slowdown, um, it's, it's happening already. Um, one, you know, a couple of indicators that I've, I've talked about in the past is, again, looking at the bond market as an indicator, um, a leading indicator, and seeing rates go up. Um, you know, the three-year, we usually talk about the two-year and the five-year, but the three-year U.S. Treasury has hit 3%. Yeah. Um, so that you know, that's one good indicator. The yield curve has flattened, especially on the longer end. We have two Fed hikes coming up. One's coming next week. Um, we were, you know, the market's anticipating fifty basis points. Uh, the next is coming at the end of July, and we're, you know, although we're, um, I believe that a lot of it's built into the market. Where it's not built in is the short end. So as it starts being built in on the short end, we start seeing a little bit more more uh, interest in our our sa- you know savings accounts and our, and our money market accounts. That I think the shift towards saving, the shift towards being you know we've been raising cash, we're finally being able to get a little bit of return on any cash, but certainly nowhere near the return um, of the rate of inflation that we currently have or that we're anticipated to have. So it's going to be. I think there's a period here where you have to hold on tight. If you don't want to, you know, it's risk off. But but if you don't want to lose capital, it makes much harder to earn money back. Um, it's certainly not a place of. Um, it's certainly not the time to be going into a, a riskier, uh, you know, risk on trades and finding stocks that are, you know, have higher beters now. Um, even if they're well managed p- companies, I just think the market's going to continue to um, 
have a lot of volatility and and there's going to be more um, sell offs you know as as we go through the summer um, Dan, I got uh, so what when I get, oh, on the same vein I have uh, by the way um, people love listening to you on Thursday I mean I just want to blow smoke up here behind but they absolutely Great. do and I Thank and, you. It, and it's really uh, generated a lot of interest in fixed income at our at our two firms now we don't do that well, our firm when I say with two firms we have we are we have two clearing arrangements one at IB and one, one at RBC and uh, so I've been uh, you know beating up on the people at RBC and, and finally they're sending me a list of bonds that they have taken from they're in essentially their inventory which you get a lot better price on than the ones that are you squat yourself and uh, we're looking at some of the IB stuff that you've uh, signified to very, thank you very much for that and uh Two things have struck me that it's a lot better than it was a year ago in terms of returns. I mean, there's some stuff uh, we found a, a Boeing at IB. I was going to ask you about. It's only eight months, but it's three percent or something. That doesn't sound yeah, bad. Uh, yeah. And uh, then we, there's a couple of uh, Fords, and we've had good luck with Fords in the past. In 2008, we had, we got a lot of RBC managed to get a lot of uh, 20-year Ford stuff in their last year or two, and our our clients did real well on those. And uh, uh, but you know what strikes me also is that and I've got you know several clients that are basically champing at the bit saying uh, we're talking about a horse racing term uh, you know that they're moving up and I, and I have two things one is I want to do what what the client wants but I also I'm conveying the message every day I get these things every day they're getting better you know I mean every yes. single day now the stuff's starting to creep or you're seeing another one that you I mean right yesterday I picked out two and I said okay if I had to buy them today these are two I'd want. I'll bet today I find two that are a little bit. It's I, I think I'm, I'm still in the in the vein where my clients saying, "Let's give it a month. We've given it ten years. <laughs> Let's give it another month." I mean, am I wrong there or not? No, I think the, the the you know we're already starting to see yield in terms of value, and and the, and the thing is that a lot of people are looking at high yield. High yield has become very popular just in the last couple of weeks. Um, as we talked before, if you look at the average. Um, spread on a high yield bond. The spread again means the difference in the yield. The 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 additional yield you get from holding a, a high yield bond over what you'd get to hold a U.S. Treasury bond, the risk free bond um, of the same maturity. And and the historical averages for 480 basis points are 4.8 percent. Two two weeks ago it was 4.8 percent. Um, today it's 3.8 percent, which means when that spread narrows, that means basically the price of those bonds is going up relative to treasuries, and to me that means that more people have been moving into high yield um, because the yields are attractive, and this is a this is a um, uh, this is a good period, I, I, I believe, I, especially on the short end. And we're going to have even more ideas in the next month or and a half on the short end. Um, people are, you know, you never would think to say this, but. Bonds are higher than stocks in the capital structure, so purchasing a purchasing a bond in this environment, getting a six or seven percent yield you can lock in, um, you know, for a short period of time, is certainly going to um, diminish the volatility or reduce the volatility in your equity portfolio, and also give you some diversification away from some of the go-go names and the, and the tech names that have been so popular. So you you know it's a good time to if you will cash out of those names you still have a little bit of time left I think but I wouldn't be looking to try to trade them because um, I don't think anybody any of us are smart enough to be able to hit those all 
you know, on the right days. I mean, to be able to do that, to day trade some of those names, I would be more concerned about getting some of my portfolio into more stable income. <clears throat> or continuing to do that at this point. I mean, that's really our strategy to start with, but continuing to do that. Um, the names that to... we mentioned um, that we still like, some of the preferreds are doing very well. Uh, we talked about global self-storage, and um, they had a sell-off yesterday, and I would highly recommend SELF, uh, ticker symbol. Um, that It's a, a, you know, the global self-storage company, um, REIT, and it's a, uh, you know, pack pace, um, a pretty good, dividend yield, but it's been a solid performer, um, very simple company, it's just in one line of business, and not as affected by some of the other issues, whether it be the labor issues or the or the supply chain issues, hey Dan, uh, just because of what the business. Dan, real quick, uh, um, first of all, I'm not going to knock you off and give us a couple more names, but when you, when you say, first of all, you, you and I both know that the pecking order in terms of risk is bonds, preferreds, and then common. Uh, yes. Uh, just... As a way of review, as I, well, I hope I'm not jumping in here, but when when they had all these these big bankruptcies with with uh, uh, you know Kmart with GM and uh, United Airlines and all those places, how I don't I'm boy I'm going brain dead. I don't know if they had preferreds. How did how did the bondholders make out? Were they, were they whole or did they take some kind of a hit? Uh, so what happens is the bonds are split. You know, so they issue. Um, GM, for example, issues lots of different bond issues. You know, they have different bond issues. They're, when they come to market, um, they may have, five, you know, they might issue bonds that are due in five years or ten years. And each time they come to market, those bonds do not necessarily have the same priority. So some of those bonds might be senior secured, and they rank higher than all the other outstanding corporate bonds. So the bondholders at the highest level generally get at least 80%, 85%. That is the average return, and, and I've been actually doing workouts since the late 80s, the average return you get for a senior secured bond. If your bond is junior in the capital structure, you're going to get a whole lot less, but you have to look at your entry point. <clears throat> so if you're buying these bonds at, at par, then it would be 85% is the, is, the, is the recovery rate. If you're buying them at a discount, which is the way we do it, and you know clearly you're going to get much more of a um, <clears throat> you're going to get a higher return. So the the I think the idea with buying corporate bonds is buy them at par, buy them at a discount. If you buy them at a premium, you're buying just for the yield. But if you're buying them at a premium, you want to make sure it's a more solid company. And it certainly will be, but you want to make sure it's a more solid company because then you kind of get whiplash if the you know if the if the price goes down. You're you're getting um. You know, it's it's going to decline very um, yeah. very quickly, and you're not going to get back to that to those levels because bonds automatically move towards par um, as they get closer to maturity. So, uh, the end is the uh, yes, can you put a they, there's a pretty high recovery rate. Can you can you lab a a senior one out after the other one's already out there? I mean, in other words, if I, if I yes, have, yeah, how, and do, it, how do you do that? There's a term called being crammed down. So you have to read the indentures, which is what we do at Kratos. You know, we look at the indentures and we see. You know, we want to make sure that we were in the most senior bonds, but we want to make sure that if we're not, we want to make sure the bonds that we own do not have a provision or have a provision that says no no more senior debt can be added, you know, higher than the priority of the debt that we own, you know, before these bonds mature. So 
um, those are very careful things in the bond analysis that you got to pay attention to, and and that's where you end up. Um, uh, you can really make a big difference, or you can lose out if you if you aren't aware of those. Um, I can't say as I'd be terms. real happy if if I had my clients in four or five different bonds in some place, and all of a sudden they lobbed out one that was senior than the one that I already had. That would, that would not make me happy. So um, I, this is this is news to me. I don't, yeah, they can do it, but but it, again, if the bond you own has a provision that it could have a provision saying that it can't be done, so there'd be it, you know basically says no between now and the time this bond matures, company can issue additional debt, but it's going to be at the equivalent ranking of the debt we own or junior to the debt we own. Dan, I've talked um, to people in a bond. Yeah, you have to be careful to know that. And again, that's what we do in our research. Um, well, yeah, company, I, never, I think I mentioned it, a uh, senior, um, bond, uh, uh, senior secure bond of a company called Stina. Okay, S-E-E-N-A, yeah. S-E-E-N-A, which is a, uh, how do you spell, what was it again? S-T- line, yeah. I-N-A or E-N-A? E-N-A. S-T-E-N-A. Yeah, it, it's a Swedish company that, um, is mainly known for their ferry lines, and that's the largest portion of the business, but they also have, they have a diversified business. They, they do freight, um, and they're a well-managed company. But they have a bond that matures in, it's a five and three quarters, uh, coupon that matures in, on March 1st, 2024. So a year and, whatever, year and, year and seven months, eight months. And, uh, we were buying it at six and a half percent. Wow. So, yeah, this bond itself right now is senior to any of the other outstanding public. 18 months? You're saying it goes out? 18, 19 months, yeah. Okay. So that's a great story. I mean, it's one that is, you know, it's not exciting. So you have to kind of take off your equity hat, your stock hat. You have to definitely take off your growth hat. But look at the, if you just look at the breakup value of the company, you look at the, you know, the assets that they own. And, you know, we did an analysis and and realized that they, you know, if they were to pay off the debt right now, we'd get paid off 100%. And there's no reason to think, no matter what happens, it's going to have to be a really significant slowdown for that that to change. Yeah, and what uh, along those same lines? Two things I want. Well, one I mentioned. You and I have talked time to time about the savings per family number and how it, it totally spiked uh, when everybody's getting our checks from the government. It went yes. up from like seven thousand a few years ago up to fifty five thousand. Now it's been coming down every week. It just dropped under thirteen. It's twelve nine one six. Yesterday it was twelve nine two two. It's going down every single day. Quickly, yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you, because uh, I know you've, you've mentioned some of these transportation companies, and what 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 got into the transportation yesterday? It got it got murdered. And this MATX was down like eleven percent. That's a it's a container. That's a shipping company, container shipping, aren't they? Yeah, that, it is. It's the company that they um, they have. Matson does most of their um, their goods come from um, Asia to um, you know the West Coast. Um, they had been doing really well. We they had a really nice round. We actually had sold them a while back, but their inventory has become an issue. There's actually been um, there's some news that just came out yesterday that input demand has dropped off. So um, although they continue to move goods from China to the West Coast, it's it's um, there's a lot of inventory that got stuck here. You know that was that was um, Target's issue, and so that demand that had been there before is already declining. Plus, the supply chain issues are still there, too, and it's ending up costing these freighters more. Biggest cost that they have, think about it, is, is gas. Yep. So the, 
So they're really getting hit by that, and we've seen this huge acceleration in, in gas prices. It's funny that we, people always think of, you know, the pain of the pump, but it's really not. You have to look beyond that. you got to look at those companies that transport goods. you got to look at pretty much any company that you, you know, any good that you have is come, comes from someplace else. You have to look at the raw materials coming from other countries or, let's say, coming from Canada or other parts of the U.S. Um, so any company that has to d- d- deliver deliver goods or receive goods, it's going to be paying the premium or passing that premium on to um, the higher cost on to the consumer. So until those issues change, and, the, and they are changing. You know, like I said, with the inventory issue, the slowing of demand, um, they are changing. So things will come back into line at some point, but it, it's not going to be anytime soon. Well, I, I think one of the problems with things coming back into line, I was just talking about that a little bit with Lou, is, is the, the prices. They're, I mean, uh, you and I know that been what happens with the stock market is we have a lot of money pouring into the system. Every single time, a lot of that goes into the stock market, right? I mean, yeah. you know, even though I'm sure the Fed alleges they don't, they're not intending that, but I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not because every, they must know it happens. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like yeah. they prevent it. So the stock market runs right. up, and the people that seemingly make the money, uh, that really make the dough, are this this management class that somehow is involved in these stock options. It runs up, they sell their stuff. And their their billion dollars is ahead, like Peloton, Carnival. They're they're they're, they're ahead, basically hundreds of millions of dollars before the the. I shouldn't say this because I mean that's what I do for people. The dopey investors ever get a dime. It's it's almost like, do you ever invest in one of these restaurant deals? It could be the world's I, mo- the most successful I, place. You never get a nickel. You never make a dime. Yeah, I stay away from those. That's one that's one sector that I stay away from on the equity side as well as the fixed side. It's. But it's happening in some of these other. Been, you've got a lot of trend, you know, trend issues of people uh, going other places. Some have made it for a period of time, but I agree with you. It's it's probably one of the. They're not generally uh, shareholder friendly. Uh-huh. What I'm saying, some of these companies are getting to be the same way. I mean, it, yeah. this this never happened when I. You, you didn't have people mm-hmm. making billions of dollars at places that never paid a dividend. Agreed. No, agreed. I mean, I, this, this is know, out of control. Agree. That's and that's that's certainly. Um, that that's become a problem. <coughs> become a problem with a lot of companies. So the dividend, <coughs> any, anything that shows the shareholder that the company is um, working in their best interest is good. But when that shifts, that's certainly the time to sell because well, it's unlikely to come back. You know, it's it's um, and it's really again comes back to the right management team knowing how to treat their employees, their shareholders, how to create you know productivity in their work environment, um, how to provide incentives. Um, and also how to price so that the consumer, you know, that they can remain competitive. Well, you know, it's 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 funny, Dan, because as you know, I, I, I like talking to you because for some reason, if you were here, you grew up on the south side. You're, when you talk about a management team and people, you're talking about somebody who cares about everybody in the loop. Himself, the people who work for him, the environment, the, the customer, the, the person 30 years from now who still has the same product, this thing still works. There's There's people that are like that. And then there's also, people that are, are so far away from that than the man in the moon. There's a guy who lives in my neighborhood, and we t- he found out I work for Pullman, <laughs> and he goes, "Oh yeah, Pullman was a great place." And I said, "Yeah, you know, they, you know, a lot of people worked there for a long time, made good money." Oh no, we had a couple of really good deals out of Pullman. We, we don't care about the people. Like, yeah. Okay. I think they were involved in the deal that got, you know, the Kellogg Brown and Root. When I was there, uh, Pullman owned Kellogg. 
Somehow they got no, okay, it. Yeah. Somehow yes, they got yes. it. So they they went someplace. Tremblebill went someplace. Uh, Swindell was the, the, the people yes, that make yes. uh, stacks. Don't don't call them chimneys. Stacks. Uh, they went someplace. So all those split offs and stuff. You know, people made fortunes at. Meanwhile, there's nobody who works there anymore. It's dead. You ever, you ever made dough? Except any, anybody, anybody we cared about is gone. All the other people made dough. Just saying. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's um, yeah, definitely, uh, certainly a shift from, um, I was going to say when we were growing up, but, but, but uh, you know, over the last few decades, we've seen a huge shift, I think, and, um, and a fair amount of companies have sort of followed the same route. One, one, a couple of the other names I just wanted yeah, to mention, a couple more names. I've mentioned them in the past, and they actually have done quite well. You know, Black Hills, I'm going to be meeting with them uh, next week, early next week. I'm going to be meeting with management again, but that stock is trading up in the 80s now. Those guys up in the North Those are the guys at the utility company? That's the utility company, right? Uh, Portland General has also had a nice run. Now, you know, we did our analysis, came came back with uh, this company being undervalued. Talked to management a few times, and on uh, the, the off days that we've seen, you know, recently the stock has continued to trade up. I mean, today or yesterday it may have been down off a little bit, and then Otter Tail, which is a utility in um, based in Minnesota, but but does a fair amount of the plains, you know, the areas, the, the Dakotas. Those areas have are, are you know those are good investments for utilities because there's a lot of still a lot of movement into those markets and the Dakotas you still have more people and more businesses moving there um, tax you hey, know Dan, we, tax friendly and we, certainly a lot more space. We only have a few. Is anybody building a nuke? Are any nukes under construction? There's new construction going on. Yeah, certain places in Florida we're seeing new construction. We're seeing companies moving there, you know, no, no, no. for tax reasons. No, I'm saying n- nuclear. People is, 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 any, is anybody building a nuclear plant? Oh, in terms of, yeah, no, not nuclear. I don't think um, there's new construction. I think there, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about it, but I don't know that there's anything specific going on. Certainly not with the companies I mentioned. Oh, it's because so nobody, I figured if anybody knew about it, you would. I mean, if there's somebody who was uh, adding not an or doing the, something to something. Yeah, not that I know of. There, you know, these some of the, well, Certainly, Portland General is is moving more towards sustainable energy, batteries, other forms of energy. Um, they 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 I think are doing it quite well, and they're um, they're managing the business well. But they're not doing it. It's not this you know rapid shift over to clean energy. It's a, it's a very controlled uh, move, movement and very smart movement in terms of making these investments and you know very well thought out plan. And it's working. And they're you know, they're being able to source clean energy and that in a very profitable way. So I think cool. as time goes on, that trend will continue. All right, um, thanks, Dan. We got a dash, but good stuff. I learned more about senior debt today than I ever knew. I don't think I ever heard that before, but thanks. So, so th- thank you from me. I'm sure the listeners are saying thank you as well. Take care of yourself. We're only up, we're only up a buck now, Dan. We're, we're heading south. As if he was actually down it was up 45 when we came in. Stuff is moving all day long. Back, uh, be back right after this break. Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rolf Bates, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Matt Byrne on the board, we're, we're down here. What, what, this is a crazy market. We're down three and a quarter now. NASDAQ futures are down 1975. We're up 22 when we came in. Uh, don't see any big news here. Uh, other than the ECB says, uh, they're gonna start fighting inflation. Uh, it's, uh, not ECB, the London, uh, Central Bank of London, uh, which of course everybody knows all about. So Dow's still up 11. Over in Europe now, we're down pretty heavy. DAX down 152, it's 1.1%. Puts you down 59.8%. Kick around down 66, it's over 1% as well. We're in Asia, uh, not much. Nikkei up 12, call that flat. Shanghai down 24.8. Hang Seng down 145.7. Uh, evidently they have new curb, COVID curbs in Shanghai, which, uh, is dampening, uh, the, the mood over there yet again. Uh, bonds up 3 basis points, 3.06. Bond up 9 basis points, 1.44. The bond is just racing up here. On a percentage basis. Uh, Japan up, hey, up 1.26. That's the first move we've seen out of that in ages. Uh, oil down 2 cents, so unchanged. 122.09. Brent down up 11 cents, 123.69. Natural gas down 22 cents, 8.47. It was down 40 some earlier. Arbab up 3 cents, 4.25. We've got gold just hanging right around here. Down 460, 18.51. It's like stuck on this 18.50 number. Silver down 13 cents, 21.96. 
Copper down six cents, four thirty-nine, uh, and we've got Bitcoin down eighty-six bucks, thirty thousand one hundred two. We're just kind of glued around this thirty thousand number, plus or minus of about fifteen hundred. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Let's get you into sports. In the NBA last night, uh, finals, uh, game three, the Boston Celtics win against Golden State Warriors. It's 116 to 100. Game four will be this Friday, June 10th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Both teams back again. In baseball, uh, Cubs at Baltimore Orioles. Uh, that game postponed due to rain. Uh, rescheduled for August 18th. The White Sox, however, lose to LA, LA Dodgers. That's one to four. And Diamondbacks uh, beat Cincinnati 7-2-0. In hockey, uh, tonight the East Finals Game 5, Tampa Bay Lightning versus New York Rangers. Catch that at 7 p.m. Central Time. Now for weather in Chicago, mostly sunny, uh, 56 degrees currently, a high of 80, and a low of 52. In Phoenix, clear skies, 83 degrees, a high of 109 degrees, and a low of 83 degrees. Uh, now for traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Western Avenue. Uh, light traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Laramie Avenue and Des Plaines. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and the Jane Byrne Interchange. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and North Nagel. Traffic eastbound on Edens between Tui and the Merge onto the Kennedy. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 59th Street and the Jane Byrne Interchange. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Route 171 and South Pulaski Road. And finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 18th Drive and East Jackson Drive. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. I just got to make sure that uh, Mr. Flanagan puts that incredibly important game on August 18th between the Orioles and the awful Cubs on his calendar. Mark your calendars. August 18th. What will the price of gas be on August 18th? <laughs> I, you know, I don't think it's going to go all that much higher, to be honest with you. I think, I think we're starting to... Now, in my... My conspiratorial age of life. I'm reading this headline here. Why do I? Why do I immediately think that there's something more going on? FDA decision on Novavax's COVID shots could be delayed due to, to review changes in manufacturing. It wasn't because they got the call from Pfizer, was it? Oh, of course not. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can't even I, I can't even look at these people without thinking that they're that they're conniving me somehow. I don't. Uh, and, and nothing has really proven me wrong, is it? No, I, I'm very much in your camp on this. I, I, I just trust any of the official channels. You know, it's all being conducted by by press releases that the media gobbles up and spits out again and doesn't parse or, or fact check or you know do any kind of historical analysis of or look for inconsistencies. It's just blather that we're being surrounded with on this stuff. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's, it, you don't seem to be able to get the news. I, the people that, uh, well, I've had a couple of people that I have had on the air. Uh, we had, uh, Keith Peacow on the Republican side, who I was very impressed with. And we had, uh, Karen Norrington Reeves on the Democratic side, who I was also very impressed with. And so were a lot of our conservative people, by the way. I would be really miffed if either one of them were to win and the next day they said, you can't handle the news. So I'm the only one who can. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I would say I don't, I don't know how that happened. Just because you won an election, would you, Jack? <laughs> no, you hope against hope that the, you know whatever people say beforehand has a little bit of staying power afterwards, uh, and that they can stick to their guns. And um, this is kind of you know why people campaign um, because they, they they think they're making 
promises or statements that they're going to be held to, and they're not afraid of putting their opinions out there and finding voters those resonate with. But, you know, as, as soon as you get in office and get sworn in, you have a brain transplant, do something completely different. I mean, people are pretty sick of that routine. Well, and, and the, I guess, you know, it's, it's very difficult, uh, Jan, for me to, uh, to basically stomach all this crap when I know that the people doing it are researching us to give it to us. So it's like, it's like every time you see, you, you, you hear some commercial that makes absolute insane sense and it's, and it's directed at a third grader, you know that they've researched it and they know that it's going to be a very, very successful ad because they've, they didn't just didn't wing it out there. I mean, they spent money on it. They did research. They probably did uh, focus groups. And and if it seems like it's infantile, or it makes no sense, or is totally misleading, it's because it's what we want, right? And right, I'm saying a collective we. It's what we want. I mean, I listened to uh, Lexi Janulius. He's running for Secretary of State. Now, the guy, as far as I can, if I can tell, I mean, I don't shadow him or anything. Although maybe in and out at the, at the bank that the family owned that had some problems there. Has the guy had a job since he was treasurer? No, other than unsuccessful candidate for governor. Yeah, and then so then his, his thing is he took on Trump. What did, what did he do? Play golf with him? <laughs> they, they they pay for ten bucks in the golf match. I mean, what do you mean he took him out? Was, was this on the wrestling man? Was this on the handball court? Where, where was it that he, that he took? I mean, and yet that's what people evidently want to hear on, on that side. He, he took on Trump. Well, what did he do? I have to tell you, Tom. One of the the perks of being the union rep at my community college was that I got to attend graduation to represent the faculty, and I sat up on the platform with all the you know dignitaries, the board of trustees, and president of the college, and invited guests and the invited speaker. And I got to, and I would always sit next to who that invited speaker was, who was going to give the keynote address to the graduates. And Janulius was there, I think, in 2010. I'm trying to—I can't remember the exact year. And I sat next to him, and, and there was, you know, the stuff beforehand where you, you get put your cap gown on and all this stuff, and you get to talk to these people. And Preckwinkle was another speaker one time, and other sort of people who were more or less. So how did how did you look yeah. in your outfit? Yeah, oh, I was stunning. <laughs> did, did you have the, the three you different? Couldn't miss me up there. What, were you one of the guys with the things over the shoulder, the the cords? Or what does that what does that mean? It's like your tenth. Well, that's if, if you have an advanced degree. You know, other, other people got you know a faculty member had to carry the mace. You know, like symbolic staff. You know, to leave the profession procession. Um, so there's all this you know archaic you know arcane. I mean, it's fascinating to watch because even for community college, there's a lot of time and effort put into planning these things, and and the crowds just loved it. You know. But I have to say, in speaking to Janulius beforehand, I thought this is this just redefines empty suit to me. And as luck would have it, as soon as he finished the speech, which I, all I can tell you about is that it had nothing to do with the event or the institution that had invited oh, him. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. He, he got up and left, and he was the only speaker I ever saw do that. You know. He had another more important place to be. Everybody else would sit through the awarding of the degrees, you know, marching across the stage. They, they had enough graciousness to, to say, well, I, you know, I, I can't just leave in the middle of the ceremony. But Janulius did. And I, I, I've always thought that, that to me is exactly.
he, we, I went to this uh, <laughs> shindig a long time ago because uh, Todd Strozier was running. So, uh, oh, Jan, from my old neighborhood, huh? Yeah, well, Jan, Jan's wife was uh, uh, she was real tight with Mike Quigley in the North Side Group. That's how she got her judgeship. You know, it's sad to be twenty years ago. Well, well, it was after she got it, so probably fifteen. And uh, so we we have this thing, and she drags me with because you had to buy a bunch of tickets. I'm up there, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people around me talking. And you know, in those days, I suited up pretty well, and I mean, I always looked like an alderman anyway, right? So, so a <laughs> bunch of people are talking to me. She walks like, "Tommy, knock it off! These people think you are somebody." <laughs> so anyway, so I talked to. The two most amazing conversations I've had ever with anybody. Todd Stroger gave a speech. This is young Todd, and uh, a nice, nice enough guy. And he uh, he starts talking about zero based budgeting, and he's going to institute that for the county. And as luck would have it, as the guy who came out of uh, grad school and went to two firms where I was the guy that you know was the most recent grad at Allied, I was the only guy that had an advanced degree Allied Van Lines. They were going to do zero-based budgeting, so of course they dump it on me. And I didn't know what it was, but I find out all about it, and I do all this research and, and stuff. So I become reasonably an expert on zero-based budgeting, and it is the most theoretically sound system you'll ever come across that never works. <laughs> because because if, if, if the entire, uh, you know, if the entire world was set up that you could actually do it, you wouldn't need it kind of thing. You'd have to, you'd have to be so organized to start with. Anyway, so I talked to Str- Todd Stroger, and I go, "So, uh, Mr. Stroger, do you do you uh, you, you really want to do the zeros-based budgeting?" He goes, "Yeah, well, somebody told me that was a good idea." <laughs> I go, <laughs> I, "I go, uh, yeah, but did you ever like you know look into it or anything and see?" What- oh God, no. <laughs> he goes, "I heard it's a good idea." I said, "Well, you, I, I doubt very seriously that you're going to get zeros-based budgeting for the Cook County." <laughs> And have anybody who's going to ram that through? So I kind of wander for him over to Julius, and he's big guy, he's taller than me. You know, I was six four back then, and uh, I guess he's a good basketball player. So I go, I don't worry how he went to school. And he, and I go, so what'd you do when you graduated? I was, you know, I, I was expecting to hear like, you know, law school and work for this firm, that firm. And I went to Europe and played like basketball for five years. I'm like, okay then, <laughs> you know, came back and I worked at my dad's bank, and I'm like, wow, there's a resume. <laughs> Resume made in heaven. I mean, it doesn't make it bad. I, I like the guy, but I mean, it doesn't make it bad. But it's just, I mean, but there's there's a there's a real lot of Greek money that's been pouring into politics in Chicago now for quite a while. Because who's the who's the lady that ran for uh, water reclamation district, which is like a fifty sixty thousand dollar a year job to be on the the board of the water water reclamation district? But it shows you can. She must have had five or six. Huge signs on the expressways with a Greek last name. Um, the, the Greeks have money and they, they want to get some Greeks into politics. It's like same thing with the Asians now, and everybody wants their piece and the, their their beak in the pie, right? And uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, and Alexi's part of that group. And I, mean, I, I wouldn't say he's a bad guy at all. I mean, I don't I, I don't know if he's the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I mean, I, don't, I mean, it's I would wouldn't say the guy's a a crook or anything like that. I I don't. There's nothing that says I would why I would want to do that. Just I mean, if we're going to look at the most, well, I mean, what he knows about the Secretary of State's office, I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't know much about it, but I'm not running for it. I mean, it's I know a curious kind of process that we're seeing with him because, I mean, I'm, I'm very much surprised to see him back in the political arena. Um, 
because he aimed high with, with the Democratic race. And he had some name recognition then, and he had some support. Yeah, but, Jan, don't, don't be surprised. Obama and was kind of riding the crest of that. He, he still is in his, you know, television ads for Secretary of State. But the fact that he's now, you know, so many years later, coming at this again for a... I think people are going to have a hard time believing that Jesse White is no longer the Secretary of State, no matter who gets it's, in there. But it's, it's been the, in so long. This is not the kind of job I would expect him to be pursuing, or, or even any job at this point. So I don't, I don't get exactly what, what this is about, you, unless you, it's to parlay it into yet another race of the governor 20 years later. I, I'm, I'm kind of stumped by it, so I don't, I don't know. I what, think he's what, the, he's the uh, adapted boy after uh, Pritzker runs for president or something where he thinks he's going to do. Yeah, I think probably that there's you know, lots of stuff that's going to be But don't, uh, up if you would have, I've seen him at three or four events in the last five years. He always comes with, I don't think he's a bodyguard where he is, but he comes with somebody you'd swear he was running for office. He, he's never stopped acting like he was, he doesn't show up at a party like you and I do. There's always somebody with him. There's always he's somebody to be seen. Start talking. You'd swear he was running for something even when he wasn't. Someplace else he's got to be before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He wraps up too. There's no doubt. He's he's clearly been been running, although very much under the radar. I think I I haven't heard much news about him for the last ten years. He's he's never dropped out of sight. In terms of uh, uh, you know being like somebody who's a political go-to guy. And by the way, the Secretary of State's office in, in, in the old days was by far the most prow- powerful spot in the, in the state other than maybe the governor because you control more jobs than the governor does. All those facilities, all that stuff. You probably have, what, a couple thousand people, more than that? Way more than like the city clerk or any of those other things. Or the, or the treasurer, or the comptroller. What does the treasurer have? 50 employees maybe or comptroller currency? Uh, right. Nothing, nothing by nothing, comparison. Nothing by comparison. It, that's that's a very very serious job in terms of uh, political power and those kinds of things. But uh, you know, you you wonder at some point here, John. We we need. I don't know. I don't know what exactly we 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 need here, but we need something. And uh, the, the, we we need a, a a Lincoln. We need a Washington. We need a, a Roosevelt. We need somebody. And I just don't see it on the on the horizon. I mean. It, like I said, I, I have nothing, nothing uh, bad to say about Alexei Junilius. I just wonder if if he was going to be my pick to resurrect some company or do something or really get in there and, and have an amazing knowledge of something. I just don't know if he'd be my pick. No, I know, and, and uh, I, that's kind of my feeling about about most of the races. Yeah. I mean, any of the how many opposed races there really are. It, I mean, it's always instructive to you know, get a look at the ballot ahead of time. And the ballot for the primary here is going to be just as depressing as the last several ones where so many of these, you know, the judicial races and other stuff are unopposed, which leads me to believe that the, 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 the fix, so to speak, is already in and has been decided that the election is just a formality of some kind. They don't care. There's no way they're going to let anybody else appear on the ballot. So oh, no. it's already been decided no. who this person is going to be. And was well, yours uh, as bad as uh, as bad as mine? I mean, I'm 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 in the uh, well for this on the state side. I'm we're we're one of the. And I'm going to say this directly. We're one of the small. I won't I won't say our area is white. Our area is mixed. Uh, 
let's, let's say more upper crust areas of the 10th the 5th Senate 10th House District so for those that don't know every for every Senate District in, in Chicago or in Illinois there's two House people so they basically every Senate District is what cut in half so there's two House people in the same spot as there's one Senator correct? Right. So I'm in the Fifth Senate spot, which which would have House seat nine and ten, correct? So I'm right. in the, I'm in the tenth House seat. Well, those areas are are all the, the kind of the areas out west, basically the, the areas where all the murders and stuff are, and it reaches kind of into our area and grabs a chunk of the Ranch Triangle. So you'll get stuff in the mail from all these people. You'll never meet them. And never, and never want to go there to meet them. Basically, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go to Austin and Western or someplace to, or wherever the hell, even further west. That's where, that's where they come from. So I don't, I don't even. The guy who uh, was booted out of the state senate was it Terrence Smith? What the hell was his name? A few years ago. I mean, what he had to do to get booted out of the senate? He ran again and won, and you can't boot right. him out the second time for the same thing because the voters have spoken or some some BS. He, he was my guy. <laughs> where, where I would even come across meeting this guy, I have no idea. So that, that's that's one area. Then there's all the judges that I'm going to vote no for all of them except Tuman, uh, because Freckwinkle wanted him out for being an honest man, and plus he's a friend of mine. Uh, everybody else I'm voting no for. I think they're I, you know I just I have no no interest in that group either. So where does that leave me? I mean, if I I, I suppose I'll still take the. Democratic ballot, but then there's then you got Pritzker and you got who's your earliest running against? There's a couple more people in that race, right? Yeah. Well, if you take the, the Republican ballot in the city, there's nobody on there, pretty much, right? Because a lot of them are unopposed. They don't even run against some of the spots. I'm in a quandary of sorts because I've been redistricted here out of my old congressional district. I was in Quigley's district. For oh, you've been voted out. Where are you now? Well, I'm now in the in the new third district. Um, which has been completely refashioned with its boundaries, and it's you know to, it's not a majority Hispanic district, but it's you know it's close to it, and that was kind of a sop in the redistricting to give you know, you know more leverage to Hispanics. So this district now takes this ridiculous corkscrew journey throughout the county, all the way out to Elgin, practically to the lakefront. And who's uh, the, who's there's no point really in taking a Republican ballot if you're interested in this race because there's one candidate and there's no way any Republican is going to win in this district. Well, who's the current person? Well, it's a, it's not it's a district that hasn't existed before, so there is no incumbent. But there's somebody Every, everything somebody. has been shifted around in such a way that it's it's all you know. So the, you know, there's Gil Villegas, who's the, the alderman in the adjacent ward to me here, is running, and he's also running for party chair, I think too. Yeah, but there's there's somebody. Who's behind is in the third district seat now? Yeah, but it's the old third district. I know, but it was it's still not a, that person is not. There's, there's no incumbent per se in this particular district. Well, so you know, the, well, the, there is. is the other candidate who's you know a front runner, right? but she's been in the state legislature. She's not had yeah, the seat. Okay, before. but I'll ask one more time. Who? Who is the representative in the third district right now? Even though it's now, even though it's a oh, I'd have to look that up because I've, I've never paid any attention to it. <laughs> well, because I mean, you're, you're right, but and that's what I've been I've been talking right, about. Right, nothing to do with me, and all of a sudden I realized, gee, it's now my district. So, I guess well, I but that's what attention. that's that's what I've been uh, uh, had a long conversation with with uh, Keith Peacow about. 
the reason why he's really running, I'm not, he's a good guy, but the, the 6th District didn't even include Orland, and now Orland's in the middle of it. So he's, as mayor of Orland now, I, I think he's got a real solid chance. Before, I, I don't even know why he would even, I don't even think he lived in it, right? Right. So, I mean, same thing with, uh, uh, what's her name, Karen. I mean, the, the the first district is a lot different. I was giving her, I was giving her crap about uh, um, how she's she's way south now, and how she's actually going like the rodeo stuff. <laughs> and I, I, I said, do you, do you have to change your, your your speech a little for like a rodeo? And she goes, Yeah, because <laughs> she's way down to like demolition derby circus. Yeah, she's down to like um, Manhattan Moni, you know, or someplace. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, all these things have really changed. I don't know that I don't, I don't think Quigley's changed very much, a little bit. No, just I mean, my little corner of it here has been excised out and, and tagged into this brand new district that takes you know it's an amazingly shaped piece of real estate. I'll tell you that. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of heartened in a way, Tom, just because of the outcome in Tuesday's recall election in San Francisco. Oh, here, here's what's happening. Here's 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 where she came from. Uh, the uh, Keith Pico is the sixth. Is uh, uh, this guy Republican Sean Caston, or no? Sean Caston's a Democrat, and the person who was in the third was this Marine Newman. Marine Newman, that's right. She, and now she she's running against Democrat, who's you know in this, in this morass with paying you know her opponent not to run and giving him a job. I mean, this is about as old time politics as you can get. Well, she's now running against Sean Caston in the sixth, right? So she's right. like that. Her district must be like essentially the one that's out with the with the person left, or the one or one less, uh, right? So, okay, so the so so you have you have you have no incumbent running, right? You've got Juan Aguirre, you've got uh, who else? You got Lyman Shahad, State Rep. Delia Ramirez. Where are all these people? Yeah, uh, Delia Ramirez, who's, who's the state rep. I forget which which number district, but she is now running for the congressional seat here, and Viegas is running against her. There's other candidates on the ballot, but there's only one Republican, no opposition there. So yeah, Justin there's, there's a whole lot of point taking Republican ballot this time around that I can see. No, Gilbert Villegas. So hey, Jim, we only got a couple of minutes. What uh, we've turned around 35 spook points since we came in. Uh, we had a down day yesterday. We've got this number coming on Friday. Uh, I I think these inflation numbers. I don't know how they they keep wanting to hide these things. They keep saying it's all behind us. I don't I don't know where it's coming from. Do you? They better keep Janet yelling off of the TV. I'll tell you because of that last appearance, like Lou was saying earlier, is just unbelievable. I mean, this is the sort of thing that would end a career um, as Treasury Secretary. I think in any other not if you're time. female, not if you went and got your seven million dollars from the right firms between the two jobs. And these people love her. They're doing right, great. And, and she must be doing somebody's bidding, even with, with oh, without a doubt. Crazy stuff she's saying. She's, somebody thinks she's getting it right. But she's no. I mean, they're, they're kind of no different. I mean, Paul was the same under under. Uh, she was under Trump, and then, was she under Trump or was Paul there the whole time that, that Trump was? Paul was there, and she was the Fed. I think at the be- at the beginning. beginning and that she. Time. That's right. Then she left and went out, and made her seven million yeah. bucks, and now she's a yeah. Treasury Secretary. That's fine. That's. Yeah. Startling to me. I don't know how that even works, but I, I you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really jealous either because I just could never do that. I mean, I just to go out and get money from the people I was supposed to have regulated, and now I've got all this money, and then I'm going to try and regulate them again. I, I, I don't even. I mean, if I took 
you know, half a million dollars from the Citadel, how can I take this job? And it just, but that's just me and you, and that's why, you know, she's where she is and why we're doing the show. That's right? why we're where we're at two-time, I guess. <laughs> I'd rather be here. And I would rather be here, too. Take, take care of yourself. But maybe I'll see By the way, I didn't see you last night. You were supposed to stop by. No, I, I hold up around here. I, just, I was still poking around in the rainy oh, yeah, atmosphere, was, so I yeah, was kind of get to let that infiltrate my, my... Well, we weren't there very long because the Celtic crowd showed up. We dashed, so... Maybe, oh, yeah, that's a good reason to get out. Maybe next week. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 60. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. (laughs) And that makes Rick a citizen of the world.